Hello and welcome to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. I'm your host, William Liu, joined by Blake Murphy, producer. Blake Murphy. Not much, man. Just trying to find that clip of Pascal cursing. Yeah. Saying swears. Yeah, interesting stuff at practice. So I, I literally just come from practice um, before the show here. And because, um, you know, look, listen, this is high time right now for, for, for trade rumors. So you just want to be around the team as much as possible, see what you can see. And whatever, there was nothing actually that particularly notable from from Nick's interview or from Pascal's interview or Scotty's interview. Although there was one answer from Scotty that I thought was kind of cool. Um, but there was obviously this little bit of tidbit um, that was shared by Michael Grange. And Grange um, worded as such that Pascal Siakam's comments on the approach and trade deadline are below. Quote, I don't know what's going on. However, um, a few minutes after Siakam spoke to media practice, Raptors president Masai Jiri motioned for Siakam to join him in an office adjacent to the practice floor. I'm pretty sure that's Masai's office. Um, so this obviously got picked up, and obviously without the context of everything because of the fact that, uh, you know, this is that time of year, right? And Pascal's also, name is... I need more context on how Masai called him over. Like, was it like, yo, Pascal? Or was it like, like comes over the speaker at OVO? It's like, could Pascal Siakam please come to Masai? <laughs> and then the rest of the team's like, eee! That's that's probably how people think this went down. But um, so what happened was Pascal was first to speak in the media scrum, gave his answers. Um, you know, obviously he was asked a lot about trade deadline and stuff. Um, and then he walked towards that direction already, you know, because Masai's office is on mm -hmm. the left. And um, yeah, Masai was just like, yo, come in. They literally sat down. And of course, we all saw it. We were like, oh, this is interesting, right? That's why you go to practice, to see some of this kind of stuff. And whatever. We're, none of us are privy to what happened in that conversation. But that thing was five minutes, and afterwards he was like laughing and, and making jokes afterwards. Yep. Like we don't need to make this whole into the whole thing where NBA Central goes today after practice. Masai Jury motion for Pascal Siakam to join him in his office with the little like monocle emoji per Michael Grange. Like this is this so is not that the monocle emoji. Do they think that that like a monocle is like a one eyed like super telescope or magnifying glass or something? Like the monocle is just like rich people stuff. Yeah, maybe. Like I I think. Historically, it's to like look at a diamond or something like sure, that. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think the monocle emoji is appropriate there. I, you know, I, what? so I agree. that's my number one issue with poor aggregation. We got that. We got Aaron Rose uh, crediting bad trade ideas from my all your trade ideas are bad column to me and not to the people who sent them in. Okay. We got uh, I mean, all the usual aggregation stuff hmm. this time of year, but yeah, no monocle emoji. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's. I just wanted to put that out there at the, so, at the start of it because it is kind of funny. That's all. Yeah, there could be a lot of things going on here, right? Like Masai could have been like, "Hey, man, you're uh, you're a Brooklyn Net now," and Pascal was uh, laughing to hide the pain. Masai could have given him the "You're better than Drummond." In this case, chat. you're better than uh, Ben Simmons. You're like, better than on, Ben man. Simmons and infinite draft picks. Um, We're not doing. It that also trade. could have been like them laughing a little bit at like. Like, hey, I, I wanted to check in. There's all this stuff out there. Sure. Most of it's silly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then, or it could have just been like nothing. No, I mean, yeah. I, I got, again, I, I got to tell you, it was five minutes and the guy was laughing and chilling afterwards. So, um, 
what team? You know, make of that what you will, I guess. Yeah. What what soccer team does Pascal root for? Uh, he's a Real Madrid fan. Okay. So yeah. anything going on with them? Maybe Masai was giving them the gears about Real. Maybe. I mean, I suppose Barcelona's ahead of them in the table right now. I mean, I still think Real's a better team, but uh, yeah, I don't know what else. I mean, I, th- I think Pascal might have said he's a Chelsea fan as well, maybe less so. Um, he's rocking two teams. All right. I don't know. I think Masai's a United fan. Yeah, that much yeah. we know. Yeah. Sure. You're yeah. Liverpool, right? Let's not talk about Liverpool okay. this season. They're they're actually a little bit more depressing than the Raptors at the moment, which is uh, hard to I say. I thought Tottenham was supposed to be the like Toronto sports team of. Oh, oh, Jones Jones. Jones. Um, anyway, with the Pascal yeah. thing, I would say like, by the way, uh, Toronto is not Tottenham. Just to be clear, Toronto okay. has won a championship. Yes. I believe I heard those comparisons pre pre uh, championship. Mm. Um, Fair. Anyway, the Pascal Masai thing yeah. is probably nothing. And then I think if it is anything, it's just like a sign that the communication is open between them and they're making sure that nothing is left for, you know, Pascal to hear through the rumor mill. I think mm-hmm. those those meetings are probably healthy and helpful this time of year. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I, I really don't see a, a move being made there. And definitely not for what Brooklyn had to offer there. Maybe they're just looking at Ben Simmons uh game longs as point points. Damn. <laughs> Scoring game by game. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd be smiling laughing after seeing that too. Um but anyway, look, listen, this is a topic because yesterday um the trade call was made where um, you know, the, the league office is open and it was uh, Dallas Mavericks and Brooklyn Nets making that call to the front office or to the, the, the league office, uh, officially making the trade of Kyrie Irving for, um, I guess, Kyrie and Markeith Morris for Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and some, some picks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, before the trade was actually made official, there were seemed to be a flurry of activity involving the Toronto Raptors where it's unclear because I think from the Toronto perspective, it felt very much like Brooklyn was trying to get some Toronto players involved. From the Toronto perspective, maybe you just see what's, what's there. Of course, you make all these calls at the moment. But, you know, there was a lot of reporting around 4 p.m. yesterday about the fact that Toronto potentially could be roped into a three-way deal there. With the Brooklyn Nets, All, obviously that didn't actually happen because that trade just went through as a two-team deal. Um, but Mark Stein reported on the trade market that, um, you know, quote, based on my reporting, I don't think Masai Jiri wants to seriously entertain a Siakam or Ananobi trade, but a lot of people around the league still think there is time for things to change. Uh, and also from Stein, he, he did say that league sources say that Brooklyn has explored the feasibility of packaging Spencer Dinwiddie and draft capital to Toronto in an attempt to acquire Fred Van Vliet. Of course, you've seen all these guys on the Raptors side listed in trade rumors. So this is not necessarily a surprise, but your reaction to uh, at least Brooklyn's attempt to expand this to a three-way deal. It made sense to me. um, First of all, because yeah, the Raptors have a bunch of pieces that we have kicked around. Hey, could Brooklyn be interested in this? Could Dallas be interested in this? And if those two teams are making a deal, then yeah, you see what's there. Um, The bigger thing is, and this is hard to explain it's harder to explain verbally than with an article, but um, a lot of times trades can get complicated from a CBA standpoint, and it's often helpful to loop in a third team. That's why if you go on basketball reference and you scroll down to someone's transaction page, you'll often see a trade that like was a three or four team deal that you have no recollection of it being a three or four team deal because like some team ate a small salary and picked up a top 50 protected second or whatever just mm. to play ball. Um 
that stuff have even the Dwayne Dedman deal today, which is basically a nothing burger, but like that's literally a nothing burger. Uh, yeah, I mean, like the Spurs pick up a pick to basically help the Heat get a little lower, little extra cushion underneath the tax, and like mm-hmm. the the money is not significant relative to to what the pick is. So you see stuff like that. Um, and if you're a team like the Raptors that has assets and might be trying to restock draft capital, you want to see what you can get involved in. This is like when, when we talk about um, off-season scenarios too, where teams have caps based to rent. This is what we're talking about. Hey, the money doesn't work here. This team doesn't want to take this back. There's a Russell Westbrook deal by Thursday and someone doesn't want to eat him. Well, the Spurs have all this cap space. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pay them to take that guy on with a draft pick or something like that. Um, anyway, the Raptors aren't quite in that position. It was more about the assets. The other element of it is once a player's traded, he could be traded again, but he can't have his salary aggregated with someone else mm. for a little while. So okay. um, the Nets now cannot turn around. They can trade Dorian Finney-Smith. They could trade Spencer Dinwiddie. They could trade all the other stuff they have on their team, but they can't ma- pair salaries for Dorian Finney-Smith or Spencer Dinwiddie. Okay. So that makes making a subsequent trade a little bit more complicated, um, less so when it comes to a Van Vliet-Dinwiddie scenario because those contracts match up. Right. So say it was Dinwiddie and picks for Van Vliet, you can get there. And if the Raptors say, well, that's not enough for us, you could structure it as like two separate deals and then be like, okay, you know, give us whoever and take back Ken Birch. And that's a second deal technically. So Dinwiddie's salary isn't aggregated. Anyway, it just gets, it's, it gets more complicated to slightly more complicated to move Dinwiddie and Finney Smith now that they've been acquired versus if it's a three teamer. So those are the main things. I okay. think the, the takeaway if you're a Raptor fan though, is that yeah, the point guard market is moving and Kyrie on pure talent was the a one guy who could possibly move. Fred Van Fleet heads up the next tier, and then Spencer Dinwiddie, Spencer Dinwiddie is probably a tier or a half tier down. So if Brooklyn's not content with Dinwiddie, you have a chance to pick something up for Van Vliet. You could see a scenario where another team wants Dinwiddie. We've already heard those rumors. Um, so all the stuff around Van Vliet, Trent, even Ananobi, still makes sense because we were talking about that for the Nets even before we knew the Kyrie specifics. Um, the Pascal stuff around it, though, is completely new and i think partially the nets feeling the pressure to make sure katie is happy with whatever the outcome of this deadline is and obviously siakam if he were available would be the best player available on the trade market um i've heard pretty much all along that the raptors aren't really listening on that um on siakam or barnes Mm -hmm. and then that softened a little bit once the Kyrie thing happened i think it's just you know, kind of the way Mark Stein framed it is like, yeah, of course you're going to like listen and just see like, what if a team offered you, I don't know, LeBron and Giannis in a three team deal. Like, of course you got to listen. But no, I don't think it's pretty likely and certainly not likely in a like Simmons and picks for Siakam swap. Like that is like Ben Simmons is even with only two more years left, probably the worst contract in basketball. You, you got to pay me to just take that on, let alone give up Pascal. Yeah. Um, I made some calls just to be sure about this as well. But ex- yeah, yeah. You, you know, got your reporter shirt on. You got your. No, no, no. I, like, no, I, that's, that's good, man. That's not really what I do per se. But of course, it's something that I think I'm trying to expand into personally. Mm-hmm. But no, but it's like just to confirm, like that is not happening. Right. I Exactly what you're saying. Siakam, Barnes, not in the conversations, not at this trade deadline. 
Maybe in the offseason, if you really, really see it go south, you have to reevaluate everything. Who knows, right? But right now, no. We're talking about OG. We're talking about Gary. We're talking about Fred. And those are the three pieces. And then, yeah, anything off yeah. the bench that isn't precious, I'm sure they'd listen yeah. to. I'm, I'm not surprised that Brooklyn will be interested in these pieces. Brooklyn needs to do whatever they can this trade deadline to make things work with KD, right? Because who knows, man? It, if that doesn't work out this offseason, do you think he would say no to asking for a trade again? No, I think he probably would ask for a trade again. Exactly. So, like, if they're bouncing the first round, yeah. like, the Nets have as much first-round pressure as the Leafs do at this yeah. point. Yeah. So, um, so let me ask you. So you, sorry. you can't make you can't make that move right now, but you would ask about some of the other pieces. Yes. Hence, you hear the conversation for Fred. Um, hence, you hear that they're interested in a guy like OG. To be honest, the Nets with an OG, if they somehow got their hands on OG, and I really don't see a way to make that happen, um, obviously that would really help Brooklyn. Brooklyn now has some really solid two-way forwards, right? They obviously already had Royce O'Neal, who was a nice ad in the offseason. Mm-hmm. He's also played a lot, like, point for them in a way, and I think he's really fit in culturally as well. Um, I think the other aspect is you already have, now, Dorian Finney-Smith coming back. If you had an OG Anobi as well, and you could put out, you know, KD with that oh. group and then Nick Claxton, that's a really, really hard team to score against. Now, of course... I mean, it's, every- like, it's like trying to score on the Raptors if you had Nick Claxton at center. Yeah, but of course, every single team in the league will then just triple-team Pascal and then force the other guys... Or, uh, Pascal KD, in this case, um, I'm so used to saying teams are triple-teaming Pascal. Um, <laughs> teams will just triple-team KD and, and force other guys in that group to beat you, and that's where you would really need um, some more scoring around that. However, that is a really valuable you know group. If you were looking at a deal to be made with Brooklyn in the next three days here, I mean, what would you be looking for? Right, because to be honest, I I don't see anything with the Pascal thing even no. being even a, a I equivalent mean, sh- value. Short so. of them putting the draft picks that they have and Nick Claxton on the table, yeah, which like that's not going to happen though for them. I no, really don't I, think so. I, I don't think so either. If I'm them, like first of all, you already did the same thing and and kind of botched it with how you handled Jared Allen, mm. and you know he would look really nice on that team. And then yeah. maybe you could be like, well, you know, moving Jared Allen out kind of I guess allowed for. Uh, the Karis LeVert, James Harden thing, and then Nick Claxton doesn't become Nick Claxton if Jared Allen's there. It's like, sure, but you did that for DeAndre Jordan, not for Nick Claxton. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I, I, if I'm them, I'm not making that mistake again. I'm not making that mistake in the first place if I'm them. Claxton leads the league in field goal percentage and shot blocking. Mm. Um, as far as low usage, low demand young centers who can anchor your defense and like don't need a lot of touches, like... He's a perfect fit for what they're doing. The the mm. one thing that we can't underestimate with the Nets, though, is like the KD pressure, the win now pressure. If they yeah. think guy a guy like Pascal pushes them to the title in a way that Claxton can't do yet, maybe. Um, but I don't see any Siakam conversation that starts without at least Nick Claxton and some of that extra draft capital they have. Yeah. Um, everyone else further down on the Raptors, yeah, you can have a conversation. So the Nets, um, they do owe their 2024 and 2026 firsts out. Um, they owe pick swaps in 2023 and 2025. So you're not looking at uh, a pick from them until 2028. But they have a 2027 first from Philly. That's only top eight protected. And they have that now unprotected 2029 first from Dallas. Um, those are really interesting chips if you are blowing it up completely. If you are trying to do the more likely path, I think, of get some stuff and still be good again next year, you have to look at those picks more as trade chips than who's coming through the door in 2027, 2029. Uh, yeah. To be clear, 2029, you're probably not going to see a player actively contribute towards a rotation 
until probably 2030, like 2031, 2032. Because yeah. we're talking about probably an 18, 19-year-old yeah. who's coming into the league at 2029. They're probably not going to contribute until they're 21, 22, 23 years old. We're literally talking about trading for a decade from now. That's yep. not even one rebuild. Great. Yo, we're, tra- we're talking about literally trading for someone in the seventh grade. So those picks so no, are primarily uh, then yeah. it's you view them as trade chips to turn around and do something else with, mm-hmm. which can be helpful. Um, and then from a, a player perspective, you know, if you if you wanted to talk yourself into Joe Harris for one more year and Gary Trent was outbound and you just, you know, you kind of just tack on one extra year to a similar player type. They're not similar player types, but a, a three-point shooter or whatever. Um, sure. But really, the only guy you're super excited about from a player standpoint who's potentially available is Cam Thomas. Um, now, back to Cam- back 40 balls. Yeah. Right after he, he must have saw the like the API of like the trade machine who's getting put in trade machines the most uh-huh. and got mad or something. Um yeah, ain't stuff funny. Um, anyway, he is not 91 points over two games good, but he's a really interesting scoring guard prospect who has, like, pretty nice shot mechanics. He's a tough shot maker, which, oh, yeah. you know, you project ahead to what things could look like as he finds ways to get easier shots for himself. You like what could happen there. He's already probably a step ahead as a playmaker from where, say, Gary Trent is at this point. Mm. Um, there's a lot to like there. He can't be the anchor of a deal, I don't think. Um, but he'd certainly be an interesting piece to get back if you if you really don't value those picks. Yeah. And you no, get two more years of him before you have to make any kind of decision on him. No, I mean, I think the, the name that intrigues me, I mean, look, obviously, everyone's seen what Cam has done the last two games. It's it's great, right? The name that would intrigue me the most is the name that had intrigued the Raptors last year and probably still does, but he's just probably not movable right now, is Nick Claxton, mm-hmm. who obviously has made this huge jump, looks awesome, blocks three shots a game, Offensive rebounding, catching lobs. He had a play last night where he went coast to coast and took it in with a dunk, and it was just spectacular to see a big do that. I know, you know, especially Nick and, and Masai, the type of players they covet, that's probably exactly it. And I want to – sorry, can I ask you a question? Sure, yeah. Uh, how many shots do you think this year he has taken outside of 10 feet? Nick Claxton? I'm going to say – man, he plays all the time, so probably 30? Seven. Seven. Wow. He's missed two corner threes and then he's one for five from like 10 feet to the, to the three point line. Uh, you can do that when you shoot 83% at the rim. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. I mean, obviously it's layups and dunks, but as we know, it's not that simple for everyone to finish around the basket. Like, no, like he's made such a big jump. You lead the league in field goal percentage. You lead the league in field goal percentage. He's a, yeah. uh, now you would have to say the Raptors got him. Like that's a guy you want to use a lot more as a role man and pick and roll. Sure, like yeah. you, you can't get that many shots around the rim just on offensive rebounds. Although he does get almost three of those a game too. Yep. Um, you want to run a little bit more pick and roll, but yeah, he's, he's awesome. I, yeah. I, he's a guy that, Man, you you look back and try to wonder at what point in time there was a window to buy on him or something, if there ever was. Yeah. Well, it it, felt, it seemed like the window was last summer, I would say, mm-hmm. or where or last season, I would say. Yeah, I mean, he was Raptors, an RFA. Yeah. Well, the, apparently the report is that the Raptors offered that Goran Dragic and first round pick package mm-hmm. that they ultimately landed Thad with, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, it's a long cry from Nick Clarkson to Thad Young, with all due respect to Thad who was putting an extra time knocking down corner threes like nobody's business That's in practice right. or whatever. But, like, that would have been the time to buy in on Nick Claxton before he bought in or he before he broke out. And, I wonder man, what um, that would be interesting if, if you were able to make that happen at that time. I wonder what bad salary the Raptors would have eaten back in that scenario. I guess maybe Joe Harris because he was Joe out Harris. at that point. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So you take back Joe Harris's deal and get, I mean, yeah, Yo, that, that seems like a bad deal Joe for Harris Brooklyn. And Nick Claxton for, for Goran in a first. Yeah, that's that's but, wild. I mean, in retrospect, but hey, that if, could, could be Walker Kessler. It could be Malachi Branham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's true. Um, yeah, so anyway, let's. I, I thought this interest from Brooklyn was probably more one-sided. I think probably Masai probably was like, oh, are you guys willing to talk KD? You know, because that would be kind of funny. But listen, I, I don't, I don't, I didn't think that there would be something to be made there. I wouldn't mind Dinwiddie as like a third guard, maybe yeah. even a starting guard. I suppose if you move somebody else around, he's also only um, his contract's only partially guaranteed for next year, which means that sure. say you say you got Dinwiddie back in a Fred scenario, and you decided you didn't want Dinwiddie long term or whatever. Um, that's going to be like a guy who's good and makes 20 million, maybe not a $20 million player, but not far off and only has half of that guaranteed. Like there's a really tradable contract in mm-hmm. the off season too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he would be a great third guard, mm-hmm. but again, I don't think Brooklyn is looking to shed. I think they're looking to add as much yeah. as possible. Right. Cause their window is literally right here, right, right. now. Like you're only talking Dinwiddie if Van Vliet's going back. You're only talking, yeah. I don't know. Would Cam you do Thomas that? if, I, it, it depends on the the picks coming back. Like if, if you if they give you, I guess that Dallas uh, that seventh grader pick, which is yeah. what I'm calling it from now on. Yeah, uh, if they give me that seventh grader and they're giving you, I don't know, one other first round pick to to to, to swap up from would Spencer they would Fred. they change out one of those first round picks for Cam Thomas? No, then they're, I they're keeping it. Cam Thomas. Yeah. They, need, they need guard scoring right now. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'd probably still ask for like big Kess, Kessler Edwards coming back. Just oh, as I'm like sure a you can have big Kess, end yeah. of bench flyer kind of thing. No problem. Um, in fact, they'll, yeah, they'll, they'll if, toss in a free big if you could, If you could turn an expiring Fred into one extra year of Dinwiddie with trade flexibility and pick up two pretty valuable firsts, I think you probably have to do that under the caveat that like potential extension talks have not gone super well with Fred. Like Fred's better than Dinwiddie, but if he's going to leave or there's a risk of him leaving mm. picking up two firsts and getting a a comparable downgrade is is fine do you think brooklyn does that no okay i think they're probably if they're going to put those two firsts back on the table i think they're probably swinging even bigger or they they're probably swinging they, for pascal or maybe even og or yeah. they ask you to hey here's the framework for fred would you eat joe harris and throw gary trent in there to get us across the finish line here i mean yeah, I don't and know. then who knows? It does make the Raptors older. I mean, of course, you get picks, right? Because and it's not about it's not about Dinwiddie and Joe Harris helping this team. It's about Dinwiddie and Joe Harris, you know, playing out the year, and then you shop them in the offseason or next trade deadline as mm-hmm. you know, pretty good sized expirings, right? Like right, we can right. see right now what those could bring you back. Um, although it does seem a little bit like circular to trade expiring guys for picks and longer contracts and then turn around and trade those longer contracts uh, that are now expiring with picks for players. Like, like, what are you going to do? Sure. Turn around next year and be like, well, Joe Harris and Spencer Dinwiddie are, are expiring. I wonder if we can flip them for Gary Trent Jr. and Fred Van Vliet uh, with picks. You're really, you're literally rolling the problem over. Yeah. Um, which is fine. Sometimes um, I, I think the Raptors need to more decisively pick which direction they're headed in than that. But um, you could certainly, justify it given uh how close they've at times seen this year Fair. and given scotty's age and upside um the the other direction that they could go and this is from matt moore of the action network shots to hp basketball man that's, mm-hmm. a, that's an og blogger right there um but matt moore reports about fred and orlando multiple sources told action network there's real interest from the magic 
In Raptors point guard Fred Van Vliet, it's believed that Jalen Suggs could be part of a potential deal, but would require more from Toronto in compensation given Suggs's defensive capabilities and rookie scale contract. As always with Toronto, there should be a word of caution as trying to get a deal done with Toronto is like, quote, blood from a stone, as one executive described it, due to the front office's combination of savvy and leverage. Yeah, although... You know, maybe that's a bit of a an exaggeration. Like Bobby Marks was on the JD Bunkus podcast this morning and said something similar, but said like he's been in a front office that dealt with Masai, and at the end of the day, Masai is fair. It's just he's not gonna, you know, he's gonna play as I, now. I'm paraphrasing Bobby's point, but um, Bobby's exact wording was at the end of the day, Masai's fair. Yeah. Um. So yeah, blood from a stone, but you know, I don't think he's going to. Like, I don't think every trade needs to be the Bargnani trade for, for the Raptors to do business. Like, it's not like that bad mm. trade was a like a home run trade. I'm considering that like a, a, a tax, a gratuity fee after the Kawhi trade. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh, you know what? That that service is so good. Here you go. Here, here's two more. Yeah. Hey, remember that $5 million you guys kicked in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, uh, here you go. We would like to pay it back a little bit. Um, by the way, you watch... I, I know this is off topic, but because of the the pick downgrade from the first to the second, um, what do you think of Christian Coloco last night with the nine hundred five? I don't think that was the right environment for him to develop because he literally never touched the ball. To be fair, he was not good and committed a lot of fouls and got worked by Lucas Hamonich, uh, which was really tough to see. And I think he literally only had like two points on the night, maybe a no, little he, bit more. No, he ended up finishing with double double. He finished with a double double. Yeah, okay. he packs them right. in late as they tried to as they organizational uh, synergy uh, as they did a fake comeback. Oh, it's good <laughs> that they're practicing fake comebacks too at the 905. Um, no, but seriously though, it, it just didn't feel like he was very much involved. To be fair, he wasn't really doing that much with it and they have a more skilled offensive uh, option with Reggie Perry who's mm-hmm. there consistently. Uh, Reggie Perry, by the way, did not see him make a lot of passes. I mean, he had assists, but then He's had some like borderline triple doubles this year. It's... Yeah. I don't know though. When you watch it, you're like, yeah, man. He, he, I mean, whatever. He has he has a chance to score. My point is though, I didn't really think that that was a great situation for Christian to mm-hmm. be defensively. Obviously, was was outside of guard in the post was pretty good, which we know he can do. Um, but yeah, I mean, it felt like okay. If you want to get him down there, get him shooting more threes, get him involved in the offense a little mm-hmm. bit more. And then, of course, I think for the challenge for him is he, Christian's got to learn how to play without fouling. Like mm-hmm. the fact that you're in foul trouble in nine oh five as well. Like that's part of the reason why I like him going down there sometimes is because. I need you to learn how to play 30 minutes mm-hmm. at this level or even at the lower level without fouling. Right. Like, you can't even be in the game half the time. It's a, it's also, I think, a good proxy for, like, how is he reading the game defensively, right? Like, if you are getting, you know, if you're putting up summer league stat lines of, like, seven blocks and eight fouls, mm. um, you can't do that in the G League. You can do it in summer league, though. Like, yeah, those those don't really tell me anything other than you're taking a lot of gambles to block shots. Yeah. But if you can play without fouling and you're still having that same defensive impact, and I think you only have one block last night. Yeah. Um, now that's a, a pretty veteran team they were going against. Like Tony, your boy, oh, yeah. Tony Snell Shots on to Tony that Snell, team man. and Denzel Valentine. Yeah. They, they had, they had a couple of names. Yeah. Um, oh, who was it? The, the Canadian that was burning us last night. Oh, Mario Shayok. Oh man. Mario Shayok was going nuts. He was, he was knocking down. I think he probably had like five, six threes. Easily. Pascal um, was at the game too, by the way. It was it was great. Yeah, um, yeah. They set a they set a Guinness World Record for most people in one place wearing capes at the same time. Um, in yes. conjunction with which hospital? Sunnybrook. Um, I should know this. I'm uh, we'll sorry. double check this. Yeah, but, uh, sorry to the 905. I should no, know it, it was it was a great thing, and of course Pascal is matching donations as well. I think up to 100k. So he's he's being once again really um, charitable with that. Actually, he was asked about it at practice. He really talked about how 
just sort of getting away from the game and sort of like trying to help people it was really kind of just like mentally refreshing for him you know because it's like obviously when you're in the game you're worried about small things like are you making the next basket or are you making the right pass here or even slightly bigger things like you know what's your role on the team the contract all that kind of stuff when you step away from it and you really put yourself in other people's positions like i think pascal really spoke very eloquently about just how much he really wants to help the community. Um, and Holland Bloorview was the the hospital. It's Canada's right. leading pe- pediatric rehab teaching hospital. Right. Um, so you can learn more about them, hollandbloorview.ca. And then uh, 905 posted a bunch of content from the the night and the record as well. Yeah. Uh, so good for Pascal. Less so good for Coloco. Um, Banton headed back down there now for tomorrow too. Yeah. Um, sorry, I know you were going somewhere else with this. Oh, yeah, uh, Jalen yeah. Suggs. Um, so yeah, Fred for Jalen Suggs. Would, Apparently you, then would you kick in more though? Okay, where are we at with Jalen Suggs? I, oh, I understand that. If, look, if they were willing to give you Jalen Suggs for Fred today, like absolutely, he's twenty-one years old. He was just a number five pick. Like, like you, he aligns perfectly with Scotty's timeline and skill set wise. Like, if you turn Jalen Suggs into what we thought Jalen Suggs would be, um, he's dealt with a lot of injuries. Okay. I think that probably has at least something to do with how little traction he's gained offensively. Um, You've seen some improvements in things like assist to turnover ratio. Uh, so maybe he's figuring it out a little bit more. Um, but right now, I mean, the issue with him is he he has not been able to shoot in the NBA. And he was, that was like the skill that was supposed to be there. He shoots, he's shooting 24% from three in his career. So yeah. Far. I mean, I was only like two seasons right now. It's still 300 attempts. Like that's a, yeah, it's not a death knell number but it's not i get it like obviously there's probably as a point guard it has to do you probably have to like pull up for threes or create Mm -hmm. threes take end of the clock threes you know that's it's not the same as a guy catching shooting the corner you know what i mean but at the same time it's like all right so there's that aspect of it defensively i I like him right there's there's clearly like a defensive capability Mm -hmm. there um but yeah i don't know man it's i is it a so it's a slam dunk for you that you would do this trade yeah, I think so. Like, the, Toronto? like okay. the rookie scale deal is not super cheap for a number five pick, but like his next two years are total sixteen point three million. That's like to- like that's cheaper than Chris Boucher. That that's like what you were paying, you know, Kem this year plus a little bit. Like that's mm-hmm. not a prohibitive contract, and then you'd have RFA rights on him if things work out. And yeah, the I mean. Look, that's a commitment to building around the Scotty timeline for sure because then you have yeah, two sure, yeah. guys that you're building around. Um, I think it makes you worse for the rest of this year. So you lottery-wise, um, you know, maybe you're a little better off. I just think, yeah, like it's 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 effectively the Tampa tank then got you um, two high lottery picks for Fred. Um, I don't know. That's a poor way of framing it. But I, I just think if you are even considering the – hey, let's look at things on Scotty's timeline instead of the right now timeline. Getting the guy you were choosing who to draft between with him is not only funny, mm. but like there's a reason every draft person thought Jalen Suggs was like, a, if not the upside guy in the top five, like the this guy's going to be an NBA player guy. I, I don't think sure, that has, yeah. uh, I don't think this year and a half of, like he's only played he hasn't even played a full year of basketball because of the injuries and stuff. Okay. I don't think it's turned you off of it enough to think that he's not a, a big, big asset. Now, the the note from Matt Moore that you'd have to kick back more in. Yeah. Like I'm not throwing in unprotected firsts to get that done or anything. Well, I think from Orlando's perspective, can't they just say, like, well, we don't have to do anything to exactly. get Fred. We can just sign him off outright in the offseason. Yeah. Orlando would be a really tough team to negotiate with because they have like nothing on the books for next year. Like yeah. Isaac's deal's only half guaranteed. 
Fultz's deal is only guaranteed for $2 million. Um, Gary Harris's deal is fully not guaranteed. Mo Bamba's deal is fully not guaranteed. So you're talking about, like, they got Paolo and Wendell Carter and Jalen Suggs and Franz Wagner on the books. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why would you if you're them? No, that's fair. Um, yeah, I don't know. For me, I, maybe it's just because of what happened last season. And obviously, there was such a big point of debate, obviously, at the fourth pick, right? Because one, two, three was going to mm-hmm. be what they were going to be. Houston was locked into Jalen Green. Um, you know, Evan Mobley was never going to slip past Cleveland at three. Um, and Kate Cunningham seemed like the prohibitive number one overall pick. So the real debate was who at that time would you were going to pick between Scotty or Suggs. Um, and I think that led to a whole season long conversation between Raptor fans and Magic fans about who's better. And obviously last year there was no doubt Scotty was way better. And this year there's been no doubt. There's t- this year there's also no doubt there's that he's way better. So now now the conversation is like, is Franz Wagner the guy we should be having that conversation about? Right. And Franz is having a, a really, really good year. I really enjoy watching him. Right. And so Orlando is probably happy with that draft just because they got Franz. So I don't know if that conversation is informing my view of Suggs right now, but I'm I'm leery of this type of player at this point, mm-hmm. you know. And and whatever at the time of the draft, when, when you were hearing the, from the draft experts, because obviously I don't watch college basketball, it sounded really good. But when I'm looking at it now, I'm like the archetype of this style of player. There's a real chance that it could be something much lower than what his potential was uh, said to be, which is the case for everybody. But would it surprise you if five years from now he had like an Alfred Payton type of trajectory? Um, not entirely. I, I still maintain – so part of the reason that there was optimism in his shooting despite only shooting 34% in college is that he was a tough shot maker, right? Mm, so mm, similar mm. to what we just said with Cam Thomas, sure. like if you can make the difficult ones and you have to self-create a ton and you're okay efficiency on those, logically once the, you're in an NBA offense and the shots – the shot, the defense is harder, but the shot diet might get a little easier. Like we should be able to project that forward a little bit. Um, so I still think I'd maintain – uh, a little bit of optimism there. And then the fact that he's a good defender already, um, you know, I think just solidifies like a little bit higher of a floor. Like, yeah. yeah, offensively, I don't know, I guess. But how many guards in the league succeed without shooting? Yeah, like I guess Dennis Smith Jr. and Frankie Smokes are like around still. I'm just saying, but there, not there often. Is, those are like within the range of possibilities. I'm not saying yeah, that that's I what Jalen is going to turn into be. Because really, I don't want to be that down on a 21-year-old. But like no. at the same time, it's like, I need to see some of that potential, especially from a, a smaller yeah. guard, because he's not really going to play anything other than point. He's not going to play shooting guard without a shot. And there's just not a lot of guys out there. Like, I would look for something. I would definitely look for shooting return if I'm moving Fred. Right. I just don't want to see the Raptors next, like, going forward after this tread deadline or next season without shooting the roster. It's already so painful. So so let's, let's throw a, a comparison out there. And this okay. is not a good comparison because on value – like Suggs was the number five pick and uh, he does more and stuff like that. But let's say that Dallas deal had been expanded. Tim Cato, the athletic reported that Josh green wasn't on the table, but what about a guy like Josh green who small number of shots and largely assisted threes from the corner, but at Mm. 36% for his career and 42% this year and same type of uh, size and perimeter defense as Suggs, but you don't get the playmaking and who knows if that shooting can scale, if the ball has to be in his hands a little bit, like, mm-hmm. is that a type of guy that is more attractive to you with a Scotty Pascal core than a, a traditional league guard? Still less. So he's, he's um, maybe the way, to be, like, to there's be, gotta be someone in between, but yeah, I mean, again, even for him, like I, I watch it, I watch, you know, the Mavs are on all the time. Yeah. So you, you end up watching the Mavs. 
And it's hard to tell because everybody who's not named Luca on the Mavs is just standing around waiting for kickout threes or like getting an offensive rebound like uh, Dwight Powell. So like obviously everyone's role is so specific. Um, but yeah, when I watch him, I'm like, okay, very for a guard, very athletic, willing to play very physical as well. And I like that aspect, although I do worry if there's going to be some injury concerns just with that style of play. Um but yeah, I don't really see anything that he does at a plus level offensively. The Raptors already, I mean, this season, obviously, their their offensive rating is actually decent. Yeah, it but, doesn't make a lot of sense. But clearly, they're not a team that is flush with offense. And if you take away Fred, which I'm okay with that idea right now, but if you take away Fred and you don't add offense, this team is going to be one of the worst offenses in the league, period. Yeah. And I'm concerned with that. You replace what Fred is doing right now for you with Jalen Suggs, you mm-hmm. will be the worst offense in the league. Yeah, and some of it is... That's my concern. Yeah, and I mean the half court offense is already like close to that, right? It's yeah. and it's trended upward, but sure, sure, um, sure. I mean it's trended upwards right now recently mm-hmm. because they're calling Fred's number all the time. And Fred and Scotty are just like running a lot more pick and roll that, that too. suits yeah. like this is a team that I and I know that this sounds weird because it, every NBA game looks like there's a ton of pick and roll, but like the Raptors over the last two three years have run less pick and roll than just about everyone. So mm-hmm. yeah. um, now. You know, shooting isn't the only way to space, like being able to put pressure on the rim and stuff like that, whether it's with a rim runner or, or an attacker. But yeah, it's How hard. How much pressure you put on the rim if, if you if, have... If there's no... Well, what was the play the other night? I think it was Fred and Coloco ran a pick and roll and Boucher and Achua... I might be mixing up who it was, but two other big guys cut to the paint at the exact same time. Mm -hmm. So Fred's trying to score out of a pick and roll with three, like six foot nine guys in the paint because like everyone wasn't on the same page and, um, and the defense can collapse and stuff. Yeah. So anyway, listen, that, 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 look, I mean, man, trading, I, I, I just want more offense back. I think really with this group. Yeah. So. Like if you, I'd rather have Cam Thomas than, than, which is, it's, it's a funny thing to, be saying because yeah entering the year we all would have been like yeah of course they're going to need offense at the deadline and it feels that way still and then you look at the numbers it's like well they're a disaster defensively yeah well that's more buy-in i think i think they i think they should by the way be a way better defensive space on the personnel but listen yes they should it's the same personnel as last year yeah yeah i know um and last year at this time of the year they really turned around it was great um so far this year not so much uh, we're going to take a break right here. I've been your host, Willow. That's Blake Murphy, and you're listening to The Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers Sportsbook award winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, William Lou. Continue to be joined by Blake Murphy, who, once again, as he does every Tuesday, working OT. What's coming up on your show today, buddy? Uh, that's a good question. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, no, we got a... Uh, so, Timmy, Timmy Bontemps will be on. Oh, Timmy, And good then times. we've got uh, some football stuff, because uh, Media Day for the Super Bowl was yesterday. So, we got Peter right. King, like the, oh, the wow. goat of football writing, Damn. Uh, on... And then, yeah, I don't know. We'll kick around some of the same stuff as yeah. 
I, I got to be honest with you. Tuesdays in this last month where you and I, like, just haven't talked ball. Yeah. It's just trade stuff. Like, by the time my show rolls around and we get through the Raptors the rumor stuff, it's... Mm. uh. Yeah, it's been a it's been a bit. I can't. I'm excited for us to be able to talk defensive coverages and uh, pick and roll and stuff soon. Well, I mean, we could do that, but we're not gonna because this is gonna be more trade deadline stuff until the deadline passes. This is all that there's gonna be. I don't like it personally because I really enjoyed the sport of basketball for the sport, but you know, evidently this is exactly what we need right now. Um, you wrote a column up on Sportsnet.ca, uh, and this is a column that you've done over the years. But uh, the headline is NBA Trade Deadline 2023. What offers the Raptors should and shouldn't consider? So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a nicer, it's the Sportsnet way of naming all your trade ideas are bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's what it was called in the past. Back in Raptors Republic days. You, as always, canvassed a lot of reporters and writers and people elsewhere for these trade ideas to be clear these are not blake murphy's trade <laughs> ideas okay blake would not make probably 95 percent of these trades yeah uh, and and or if he would it's probably not realistic from the raptors perspective so okay? the, yeah the the idea is cast a huge net for trade ideas mm -hmm. and then kind of sort them into groups and then pick out the ones that are at least most interesting to talk about from a, like, hey, what might the other team be thinking? What might the Raptors be thinking? What do we all need to keep in mind this time of year? It's not as mean as the the name suggests. Um, but yeah, like there's a reason just in case that the only names I actually put on them are ones from colleagues. Yeah. Because I don't want to just be mean to like a random person on Twitter who Spent their time sending me a trade machine screenshot. <laughs> no, dunk on everybody, man. Come on. Okay, uh, look, we can go through the, the 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 column. Obviously, we can't go through all of them. Um, luckily, you've grouped them together, right? Because of the fact. What are you What are you looking on Twitter? Oh, you just Wo Woj had a uh, in the aftermath of the Irving trade. Nets and Durant are having ongoing conversations. Uh, thus far, the organization has told inquiring teams they're not planning to trade Durant. Yeah, they're not. They're not. At doing least that right by now. Thursday. I, I, I doubt if they're doing that by now. Actually, in the offseason, definitely. Before, yeah, so before we do this, this is a, a question I have for you. So sure, yeah. um, do you think the possibility of trading for Durant in the offseason makes some teams who would otherwise maybe want to buy from the Raptors um, more hesitant to deal with assets? Sure. Like, I yeah. think of the Suns specifically, right? Like, yeah, if you yeah, move off sure. of, you know, Aiton or, or the firsts that you have or whatever, you can't turn around and use those for KD. You think this hurts the Raptors market for some teams? I think it definitely hurts the Raptors market for some teams. But at the same time, I also wonder, because of right now, I think this season is particular on this trade deadline is, is very unique because the league is really, really open, right? And by the time the offseason rolls around, if KD changes teams, that's going to make this thing much more top-heavy. Right now, the NBA is in a very unnatural state of parity normally nba basketball especially like the last like two decades of it has been dominated by the fact that there is our teams out there like the big three celtics like the miami heat with the big three there like the the warriors like the Cavs, who have these super teams going at all times and those are the teams that are ultimately going to win right now the league's in a very like even space so this is a time for a lot of teams to jump in so I think that that opportunity is not lost on a lot of these teams, and they're still going to want to make a trade for this deadline for this upcoming playoff run as compared to the offseason. But, of course, I, I do think a team like Phoenix, I think that that specific example, they they would be smart to hold. Yeah. Portland um, was the other one that I thought of. If they tried to do the Dame-KD link up or whatever, but... Who else is going to be there? It's going to be Dame-KD and Trent Watford. Like, we're watching Watford on the television <laughs> right now, man. No, it's Wrexham. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, basically, that was the a good level. It was almost a good joke. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I do love that guy's name, but no, I, I don't think it'll depress it that much. But it's a good question. Actually, I think V asked me the same thing I practiced today as we were watching, uh, you know, Masai and, 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 and <laughs> Pascal have a very normal human interaction. But um, yeah, anyway, your, your trade column here. Mm-hmm. Luckily, luckily, you've grouped it into like specific players. So I just want to go through each player and sort of maybe for you the most realistic or maybe the most balanced trade that we've had. So the first group you had, OG Anobi here. What was the most realistic group or most realistic fake proposal? Yeah, so I did like yours. Um, I, I spoke to a couple people, like a couple league people about the Grizzlies and what they're looking to do. And and they're, they're a weird one because obviously they have all these interesting players and like down three guys, they almost beat the Raptors the other night and every single one of their guys looks good and they have a bunch of picks. Um, they need half-court offense though. Mm. They don't really, I, I don't know that um, they go nuts for OG versus a, a different player type. Uh, so I settled on New Orleans. Uh, I think there's some fun stuff you can do with Denver around Bones Highland. And if you have the risk tolerance for Michael Porter Jr.'s yeah, contract, like I, I've, most Nuggets writers seem to think Michael Porter Jr. is very available if the the right uh, trade math works. So, um, But no, New Orleans made sense for me. You have Devontae Graham coming back as the salary matching piece. He's not good. It's a bad contract, but it's not going to bankrupt you. Um, and then what you're looking at, they have... Daniels, Jones, Murphy, Lewis. Maybe you can ask for maybe two of those guys, but depending on what you want from the picks package, maybe you only ask for one. But then they have five first-round picks available between now and 2025, Mm -hmm. as well as three pick swaps available between 2023 and 2026. So uh, I'm not saying specific, like it's certainly not all that stuff, but if you were in a case where, hey, you could take one from here, one from here, one from here, and then one wild card asset, like I think those assets you could get back make sense for the Pelicans. Don't leave them too thin and give you a pretty good return if you have to trade OG. Right. Out of those prospects from New Orleans, um, which one would you prioritize the most? Um, I think Dyson Daniels has the highest upside. Okay. I think Herb Jones is the likeliest to step into an OG type role for like next year if you want to be good again. Right. Just a Herb Jones, by the way. Yeah. Another prospect that's low-key 24. <laughs> yeah. It's He's like, not quite uh, the Terrence Mann, Cam Johnson uh, Cam of low-key 26. Yeah. Cam Johnson, who's about to hit restricted free agency at 40. Yeah. Um, it's like watching the 905 game yesterday. I know you were watching. Jeff Doughton Jr. is the best player on the floor. It's like, yeah, because yeah. he's as old as Tony Snell. Yeah. Well, you know, that's it, it, we're essentially trading for, like, rookie uh, Jorge Garbajosa at this point. <laughs> um, okay. I, I agree with that. I agree with that assessment. Um, okay. Next Grouping of trades focused on um, Gary Trent Jr., mm-hmm. who obviously has also been in trade talks. What was the most realistic or feasible deal that was proposed to you there? Yeah, uh, this is a tough one because in talking to Knicks people, like the the three first-round picks from the Knicks has mm. kind of become – you remember HBAP from the Nets years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it was like Humphreys, Brooks, and a pick, and mm. they like Nets fans just offered that for everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, So it's hard to see what the Knicks would actually attach. Um, if – Hartenstein, Grimes, and one of the protected first-round picks in 2023 got you there. I don't mind that. Okay. Uh, Hartenstein started playing a lot more since Mitchell Robinson got hurt. Before he, that, he could contribute to Tom's rotation. Yeah, I, I just uh, he like right now he looks too valuable to them. But he was also he had fallen behind Jericho Sims in the rotation not long ago. So um, that's an interesting one to me. There's also bigger frameworks there where if you were willing to eat Fournier's bad money. Um, maybe you could get extra of those picks. Um, but I don't know. Everyone seems to think the Knicks are just like 
offering those three protected firsts for like whatever. Yeah. And like, okay, they're not not valuable. Yeah. But they're not like home run chips. But I, I think I'm still a little iffy on what Gary's next price tag is going to be. Okay. So I might be a little more willing to take back a, a protected pick uh, in a deal for him. And then, like, Grimes and Hartenstein in that scenario. Oh, both, yeah, of, yeah. both of those no, guys I'd be, could I'd be, be pretty happy. for you, yeah. I, I doubt the Knicks move Grimes for, for this kind of thing. I don't think so either, but it's the Knicks. Yeah, you're right. I, I love I love every deal Masai has done with the New York Knicks. <laughs> um, all right, lastly here, before we go, um, because, look, the, the column's really good. Go through a re- it, it goes through a lot of scenarios. I want to ask you, Blake, truthfully, honestly, what's the worst trade proposed to you here, and who is it from? Oh, they were ones that didn't make the – if they were, like – unbelievably bad i don't put them in because like there's nothing to say other than to like laugh at the person or or like be mean and i don't i've gotten soft in my uh you're on the spot right now pick one of these that are the worst deals um i'm looking at this jd one i'm not liking it no the worst one was van Van bleed for ben simmons straight up oh man what are we doing so we're gonna be sorry so we're gonna be that's the worst one from the raptors perspective the worst one period was van bleed for tyrese halliburton straight up like that is on just like raw value that was the worst one but the worst one for the raptors was just like hey eat two more years of maybe the worst salary in basketball um for your recent all-star point guard yeah no that that one doesn't make sense the simmons rehab his like rehab simmons career in toronto is like kind of funny to me given like He's six foot nine and defends and can't shoot and stuff. Why is that our role as a team? Like our our role as a team shouldn't be to like take in like old prospects and maybe shine them up. And I don't even mind if it's like, oh, we've taken Stanley Johnson, a former lottery pick. We signed it in for a very low amount of money and we're trying to see what we have there. No, that's different than two more years left at the Supermax. Yeah, no, no, I'm not doing that. No, I'm sorry, Brooklyn. You can enjoy that. But anyway, we're out of the time. If you want to hear more trade talk, we'll be back on the airways from 2 to 3 p.m. So check us out then. But in the meantime. And then Thursday with your extended show. That's right. You and I both pulling extra duty, although I suppose for you that's not that much more. But um, we've done, we're done here today. I've been your host, Willow, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. Minor streaming live on Sports' YouTube channel, airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. Thanks once again to Blake Murphy, board producer Derek Brandale, and Jennifer Rolnick for helping us with the YouTube stream. And we'll be back to, you know, trade away The Raptors tomorrow.